Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Kick Rocks. Hey, see me after class. What's, what class are we? We're in knuckle sandwich class at the School of Hard Knocks. Mmm. No, we're not. We're at As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's, hey, Kick Rocks. Legitimately, one of my favorite insults is telling somebody to go Kick Rocks. It's a pretty, uh, I I just think of Charlie Brown when I think of it. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's where the term originates, but that's what I view. Uh, The Peanuts Gang. Uh... Him just having a bad time being in a real sad sack. And you know what? Um, kind of appropriate for our boy Dan sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Charles, Charles Schultz, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know why. Really? But, yes, I learned that on a calendar, one of those page-a-day sort of things with a little bit of trivia on each one. I remember that. And I think I learned it when I was 11 years old. I don't know why, but I remember it. Do you know what my uh, page-a-day calendar for this year is? What? Let me show you. This is great podcast content. Oh, Garfield. Garfield 2021. Yes. Would you like to hear um, the joke of the week mm-hmm. that is on the back of this? Mm-hmm. Um, a woman entered an online pun contest she submitted 10 different puns in the hope that at least one would win. Unfortunately, no pun in 10 did. <laughs> That's pretty we good. Would like to, I think it's pretty good. We, we would like to take uh, an opportunity to thank our sponsors for this week. Laffy Taffy. Why did Jim the kid throw the clock out the window? Wanted to see time fly. Hey, time flies when you're having fun, right, David? Boy does it ever and we're gonna have some fun talking about a song that uh if you know i don't want to be telling any tales out of school but i don't think you had heard before because you had never listened to this record that's right that's kind of the whole gimmick of our podcast about alkaline trio as you were a podcast about alkaline trio when this addiction came out ooh, i could not be bothered and you know it, it wasn't wasn't as if i was angry I was just, yeah, I was listening to a lot of Titus Andronicus at that point. Um, you know what's and, funny, now that you bring up the Titus? Uh-huh. Uh, when Nina and I were driving back from Vermont, we put together our, our like road trip playlist, and she put the monitor on there. And I think that is a record that uh, I can't really listen to anymore because I have such strong memories of listening to it purely on road trips. Uh-huh. And I also think, like... I, I have I have affection for those first two, but now they just they hit my ears in such a different way that it's it's hard for me to go back. It kinda leans into a bit of the uh male closet chauvinist, doesn't it? A little bit. And I mean it's 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 nothing that I think is too offensive. Uh, I uh-huh. think you can definitely be critical of it, and I think it's, I think for me the grandiosity just feels a little 
less inspired. Um, I think at the moment it felt like, wow, like some like punks are infiltrating the indie rock sphere and that's awesome. And Mm -hmm. I had my early experiences seeing Titus and being really blown away by their performance and feeling such energy. And then very quickly being like, oh, this is just someone who's like read too much and think that's a personality. And that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Who would want, who would want to be like that? Um, <clears throat> I like the first record better anyway. Um, I agree. So, no, I had not heard uh, this song until yesterday. And I listened to it a couple times and then I heard it again today. And I said to myself, all right, I've been doing this podcast as you were a podcast with Alkaline Trio. As you were a podcast about You've Alkaline Trio. With the Alkaline Trio. With my friend David Anthony. With your friend the Alkaline Trio. For some time now. And I think I know how this is going to go. David's going to be like, This song is so good and it's not on this addiction. And that's stupid because Matt's stupid and Dan's better. And I was like, Oh man, this is going to, this is going to be tough. Because David, I don't think this song is that good. But then you're like, I don't think this song's that good either. I think, I I do not think it's the best song on the record, which is fine. Um, the song, fine. I get it. Yes. Uh, it's a song on this addiction. But my problem with this addiction is so squarely the fact that despite the fact they were doing this big, we're going back to Chicago and going to record at Atlas and like do it the old school way. And it feels like none of them were ever, no three of them were ever in the same room at the same time writing or recording any of these songs is mm-hmm. what it, that album feels like. It feels so, and it, it's the same problem I think My Shame is True has where like Matt's songs feel so ridden to a like click they're like demoed to death and i think that is like that's the thing i've heard other songwriters talk about is like now that you have so many tools at your disposal to like get the band feel everything feels so rigid that like no one adds anything Mm -hmm. uh, because they can't and i think so much of matt's songs on this addiction my shame is true really suffer from that Mm. um and i think dan on this addiction has bright moments where it feels like he's bringing some energy to it i think this song has moments of that and i really like i really like another strong showing of derek doing good harmonies with dan Mm -hmm. i like that whole bit a lot yeah three weeks i don't think the lead is particularly strong though dude the lead is it takes me out right away and like I only like it really at the end where it resolves on kind of that awkward note because yeah. that feels like a thing they would do previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if this was on the record, I think it it would – if this addiction was a better record, this would be like a track seven, track eight kind of filler mm-hmm. track that just kind of transitions between points. As it is, I think it's like – a fine song it's one where it's like i think it would probably be fun in a live setting though i don't think they've ever played it live mm-hmm. and i think it just sh- makes it feel like they were actually having fun together to a degree it's mm-hmm. not my favorite song by any measure but like 
so much of this addiction is feels like that album could have had a drum machine or any other drummer on it and this one i'm like oh derek it's nice to hear him playing stuff like derek again Mm -hmm. weird that that's not present on this album really (laughs) at all uh and it's just i i think the big thing that frustrates me with agony and irony this addiction my shame is true and to a degree is this thing cursed essentially the band's modern era is that they put out fucking way too much music like either on an album or like we're going to do an album in deluxe edition so you can get like 19 songs for the price of one and it's like well how Uh about you how about you write half of those as good songs and then we fucking talk um and it's just a frustrating it was a frustrating time to be a fan Mm -hmm. is really what i've said a million times but i think comes across in a song like this being upper tier on our release right so this is a song that's available on the deluxe edition it's not a it's not separate ep it's just the expanded but but did the deluxe edition come out at the same time as okay did you get both of them well hold on i got uh the lp which is the regular album and i would like to point out that uh proof of how um careless they were uh-huh. is that there is a skip across the entire pressing of the album on oh, the song Jesus. uh lead poisoning the song the song with the trumpet uh-huh. um so there's that which doesn't really are say, you sure it wasn't scream. just some of that like trumpet plan i i mean i wish <laughs> to be honest with you um so there's that there wasn't the highest attention to detail and then Speaking of not the highest attention to detail, is the deluxe edition was one of those like CD, DVD, combo pack, fucking digipack things. Mm-hmm. And the DVD was a live set from like, I think, I guess, 08 of them playing in Las Vegas. Um, pretty fine set list. Good they played sound. the hard rock? Uh, yeah. Um, House of Blues. Oh, nice. As, you love the House of Blues. It's where rock and roll lives. Uh, and they coded it in the wrong frame rate so the dvd just looked pixelated so not only did the lp have a skip on one of the songs cross the pressing they also put out a live dvd that was in the wrong like file frame rate and it looked like shit so i will say this addiction more than any of the other ones really felt like i was being taken for a ride dude that's fucking rough and that was that was the heart and skull slash epitaph days. Right? Yeah, so this was the first release on Heart and Skull Records, which I guess still exists. Um Yeah. They didn't really I think the only I think they put out one band that wasn't Alkaline Trio. I think technically there might be heart skull stuff on some of the recent stuff. I would have to look, but I don't remember it being a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, real goofy to be like gifted a vanity label and do nothing. But yeah, totally. Also, completely tracks for this band in that period of time. Because is is anti like still active? Yes. Okay, and Hellcat. Yeah, Hellcat's kind of? like doing a full reboot. They just signed oh, wow. the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Oh, well, that's great. We've learned uh, through our through our time here that we, uh, if we if we don't have anything to say, we say nothing. 
when it comes to the Mighty Mighty Boston's and related projects. Lean home, Gina. So I, I'm a Boston's defender through and through. And I, I will not, uh, I will never slander the the plaid boys of Boston. Well, that's so. that's what I said. That's what I said. I mean, I meant to say if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. I think it fell out of my mouth a little wrong, but yeah, great, great news for the young upstart, mighty mighty Boston's on Hellcat Records. Hellcat Records, a label that uh, known for comps and comps. Okay, but question for you, Mm -hmm. David. When Dan Andriano says, but you ain't got no water, so you let that motherfucker burn, is he referencing Rancid, or is he referencing the Bloodhound Gang? 100% the Bloodhound Gang. Absolutely. Thank you. Listen, you know, if we're gonna gonna go uh, about great bands... In the history of rock and roll. Great chest. Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo. About as good as you're going to get in terms of uh, just great rock and roll music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, first heard that song at the end of CKY2K. As you do. Oh, as you do. Fucking Bam. Dude. Can't kill yourself 2,000 times. Love Bam. Man, he is so funny. What a dark turn his life has made. Could have been darker. Could have been Ryan Dunn. True. Uh, have you ever watched that Steve-O documentary? Boy, that is difficult. I haven't, but I know that Steve-O fucking hitting those meetings and uh, staying sober in 2021. And I, I gotta give mad respect to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I read his Wikipedia page the other day. Fascinating one. Yeah. Um, just even in his early life, did you know that he was born in uh, England, but was initially raised in Brazil and learned how to speak Portuguese first? A uh, little Steve-O fact for you. Oh, wow. Um, Do you ever see his episode of MTV Cribs where he uh, jumps yes. off the trampoline into the ceiling fan for uh-huh. no reason? He's just on MTV Cribs and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do this. Now's the time. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's Stephen Gilchrist is his name or Gilchrist Glover or some shit. Uh, anyway, that documentary is I think it's called like Demise and Rise or something. He uh, has publicly said he's never watched it because it's literally him like filming himself through hitting rock bottom Oof. with drug addiction. Oh, and man. it is no. brutal. Yeah. Um, Honestly, don't even know if I could watch something like that. Yeah, I mean, respect to him for being that transparent about it is my point. Yeah, but yeah, not not enjoyable entertainment. Um, but the Bloodhound Gang, on the other hand, enjoyable entertainment. Uh, that's that's really what I wanted to get it back to. Would you do the um, kind of stuff that only Prince would sing about? What a weird thing to think about uh, that band being as popular as they were um, based off just like gimmick, like novelty songs. Straight up. There's only, oh my God. I w- <laughs> okay, so the reason I thought about this is I thought about Weird Al and I watched the uh, David Cross Let America Laugh DVD from 2002. Do you remember that? Yes. And um, David is late for a Mr. Show in-store signing. And Bob Odenkirk is just like, just laying into him in front of the camera while he's like out looking for parking. He's like, yeah, well, David's like a big deal now. He's got all these celebrity friends like... 
Who are David Slurp? Strange Al Yankovic. That's his. <laughs> I like calling him Odd Albert, which is more my like vibe. Um, but man, Jimmy Pop. <laughs> all right. Um, so, all right. This song. This song is a. It's a good Dan song. It's a good late era dan song it's it's it doesn't like stray from the formula too much i think he did some interesting stuff with the vocal melody um you know it's it's got a really nice chorus for real that lead takes me out of it so bad and i just think it's like it just feels so lazy it feels like that's just sitting there kind of like yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll find something here. He just doesn't, like, do much exploration yeah. at all. I don't really like just the, like, the timing of it. Just if he was a little bit more, like, up front as opposed to kind of, like, in the pocket, um, I think that might, like, make it a little bit more interesting. But I don't think that that tone has... When we're talking about, like, getting back to basics that that tone has like nothing to it well i mean that's the problem with so much of the material from this era is like it's the back to basics record but it's like nothing they've ever done before it it almost sounds like they retroactively use that as an excuse for laziness Mm -hmm. um though i mean that's me projecting obviously uh i mean you you bought this record twice you have uh, three times um (laughs) but that's neither here nor there um anyway this yeah, I mean, I think the biggest complaints with the song for me are the lead, which I think is so close to being something interesting, but is not. And mm-hmm. I think you're kind of nailing it. Like, you know, the biggest issue with this album is Matt really, really phoning it in on autopilot, whatever fucking uh, on phonopilot, whatever, you know, <laughs> reference you want to say. But this is one of the few words, like, I do really like the vocal performances a lot. There are cheesy lyrics in this one for sure. Mm -hmm. Those don't really, um, in part because I've known it for so long and know they're there, it makes it easier for me to just be like, okay, like, I know that going into it. So it's interesting to hear that, like, that first impression thing is definitely something I had of, like, "Mm, the we ain't gotten a while at the motherfucker. It's just, like, very off. Mm Mm-hmm to be real like it's kind of feels like something that you you put in there to like like juice things up a little bit you know kind of like smashing your guitar at the end of a boring performance yeah i mean who among us um hasn't done such a thing and you know this is there are elements i like lyrically i like some of the imagery dan puts into it like smoking Mm -hmm. in the fall you know like he, there's a now a handful of songs where he talks about pissing on a wall, which is okay. Like so down. Dude re, mm-hmm. dude's really trying to beat a charge somewhere, mm-hmm. which is cool. <laughs> um, but like I like the like you know like graduation bonfire two miles. Away. Like there's a little bit of like fall feeling wistfulness that I can kind of fuck with. Um, it's it's ultimately one of those songs that I hear and I I think I can really focus on what I think is good about it, which is a lot of the. A lot of the vocal performance, I think the Paul muted guitar stuff through the verses is just fine, mm-hmm. serviceable, good. That tone, I actually think, is like, yeah, that's yeah, it's closer to what I think this should be. 
but I've always felt like that lead is very circusy. It's very like killer clowns from outer space. Um, Dude, it's fucking like, simple plan. Yeah, that's too. Like, it's just it's in that realm of stuff where I'm like, this is not doing anything and like doesn't add anything to it. And I wish like, you know, maybe it was like, all right, we can't do another octave chord thing, Matt. You got to write something, and it was just like rushed at the very end and yeah yeah i think it's it's a song that has enough highlights and things that i think are solid to good and a couple big things that are like mm, just like really emblematic of that time Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those where it sits in this place of where i'm like this is better than a lot of the things around it but it doesn't necessarily measure up to what predates it and yeah that those songs like that are i think the hardest ones to talk about because like there's the contextual element and then there's the, like well what is it just as a standalone mm-hmm. and those two things become very difficult to balance at a certain point yeah um, i think that like maybe what may be an interesting uh like context to the the performance and the way that it feels is that they probably went in knowing which songs they demoed that were going to be on the record. And this one maybe wasn't going to be on the record, but it was going to be on the deluxe edition. So like having a live performance just allows them to like get through it a Mm. little bit easier. And I actually think that that's a good thing because the result of them actually playing together, like has its positive attributes here. Which is funny because it's like doing this thing in what feels like more of a lazy way is actually a better result. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem I have with so much uh, punk at that like t- late 2000s into the 2010s is everything gets so quantized and like just stifled of life Mm -hmm. everything's very gridded and rigid and i don't feel like there's any personality it doesn't feel like people playing in a room yeah and i think this one and and those lungs another song you've not heard but the this addiction b-side is emblematic of that at least you know i can accept more of like just kind of good material not great material if it feels like they want to be there mm-hmm. and to, to tie this back to titus andronicus like what made the monitor feel so fun is like that's not that kind of record yeah totally it's very loose very people playing in a room and i think what struck me about it is my memories of it it felt more energetic and more up-tempo and faster and livelier mm-hmm. than it actually is yeah and that's a really funny thing where it's like in the moment would rave about that record now 10 years removed I would say it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate it. That would be a needless turn, but like it doesn't have the energy I thought it did. Yeah, totally. In fact, like I remember when that record came out, um, or I think even like before when it leaked, my friend Scott and I were listening to it and we were a little like, this is kind of too polished, but then the songs mm-hmm. just like really grew on us. But I'm really actually like, thinking a lot about that particular time in punk and just thinking about like the excitement around bands like reviver and lemuria Mm -hmm. and how much 
energy was just coming out from really like this next wave of younger bands who were putting so much into the records that were that they were making and I mean, I think that this is sort of an inevitability and just like the cycle of life of Alkaline Trio is sort of on their way. They're certainly, they've reached a level where they can sort of phone it in and that's kind of what they're doing. And then you see the younger and the hungrier ones come and uh, sort of outshine them. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the problem. And I think it's, you know... It's just very interesting to me because I think the way to kind of it can look either good or bad, but I think bands of that elk, elder statesmen or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, you kind of have to even if you're not necessarily into it. I think it's important to like be interested in what's going on and understand where the scene is and what kids are into and what they're doing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to try and fit into that, but like I think you can still be a vital band. 20 years into a career mm-hmm. i think now more than ever we have like enough history to show us that like that is an achievable thing and i've been thinking about it a lot this past week in terms of two bands that are much bigger than alkaline trio but weezer and the foo fighters <laughs> because like they both put out new records that are exactly what you'd expect like middle of the road yeah. kind of whatever And it is frustrating and kind of dispiriting when these bands that were supposed to be like, we're not those old fogey classic rock guys just end up put our, it's essentially like listening to a new Weezer or Foo Fighters record is no different than like being like, you know, it's 1994 and it's like, oh, the Rolling Stones have a new one. I'm going to check that out. (laughs) And I kind of hate when it's that vibe in punk yeah you know not saying everyone needs to break up not saying everyone people shouldn't put out new music i love it when like there's like a fucking great record from a band who's been around forever that's exciting but i think a lot of bands hit the crest and then can just ride it comfortably and that is where they stay and also like i will say like maskey was getting a divorce and having a bad time in his personal life and maybe not as invested in this record as he should have been Mm -hmm. fine um but it just sucks to have to like sit with an album that's like not very good and like feel like you see glimpses of what could have been. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of stuff that's just like, well, when you're a three piece and one guy is not with it, mm-hmm. it shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I think that this is an example of, you can see where Dan is still pushing himself. Like there there's a lot going on in the melodies here and like the lyrics i really like do like the lyrics on this a lot even though it it does have a little bit of that saccharine feel to it it is like a little bit of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake maybe but Mm -hmm. there's some really interesting turns of phrase he does like that like what's a law what's a fire what's a river that's pretty fucking yeah dope um and i think that that's kind of um i don't know looking it's a nice look into just like that teenage like mindset where you're pushing things just to see how far you can push them and yeah looking at authority and being like "Who, who fucking cares you've just made this shit up yeah i mean i i agree i think that whole verse is really nice and it's like when the song gets into the 
first chorus and kind of afterwards, I think is like, it really hits a groove where I do enjoy it. And this is going to be me maybe reading too much into it, right? But given the song we talked about most recently, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll Catch Fire, mm-hmm. I kind of have always wondered if there was an intentional juxtaposition here with like him looking out this high-rise window and kind of marveling mm-hmm. at the past a little bit. And like, I wonder how much this is him singing to and talking to himself of like, he used to be the kid who was sad and glum and kicking rocks. And now he's like, kind of just like a little bit removed and can see like, it was fun. Don't, don't forget that fact. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder how much, maybe that's just me reading into it too much, but just some of the, the, the fire terminology that's constantly in this along with him watching from an upstairs window, just like has always made me wonder if this is his, like, sideways glance update at Maybe I'll Catch Fire. I think if not, like, purposeful, there's definitely some conscious, uh, like, hints to that. Um, and I, I always like that um, that notion. And, like, you know, Bruce will talk about it where he's often, like, writing songs to his younger self. Mm-hmm. Um you read about like one of the one of the kind of cooler elements of the replacements being that Paul was just writing songs for Tommy who's six seven years younger than him constantly and Mm -hmm. that's like where uh so much of his material came from and yeah I mean I think that I think that no matter what unless you're writing about something specific you're kind of always looking back to you know yourself and how you felt in a moment in order to get the emotion right and in order to you know maybe close that circle for you and also like speak truthfully yeah yeah and i think that's i think that's the only thing that makes us there's a certain read I can give to only Dan's material on the this addiction cycle mm-hmm. where I feel like he's really doing a lot of like self-referential and like inner band referential stuff in a way that like is either very subtle or unintentionally subconsciously coming through. And it feels like he actually did commit to the premise of returning to yeah the roots a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as much as I don't like Dine, Dine, My Darling, like, this was a band that used to do fucking Misfits cover sets at the Fireside. Like, if they are doing those Roots things and trying to update it, okay, mm-hmm. I can give that song more of a pass. Yeah. Uh, if he's trying to, you know, respond to himself in song there, I think Those Lungs is intentionally trying to do pull some stuff from Good Morning and uh-huh. update it. I think there are moments where it feels like he's really invested and at the very least i like seeing that you know it's it's one of those things where it's like when you watch the the aging ball player just you know after striking out for two weeks straight hit a dinger it's just like well yeah okay you so you're, you aren't always there but sometimes you can push it <laughs> and it's kind of how i feel about dan mostly on this record and then my shame is true happens and i feel like he's at the worst he's ever been so it's yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. six of one half dozen of the other totally but it's like when you see the old ball player hit that dinger it's just like oh my god it's so meaningful it's like mm. he's still got it it's still in there i love the idea though that they you know probably 
probably had a conversation about like let's like lean into this and dan did it and then matt showed up and has had- his his stuff and dan's probably like what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's it's been a whole fucking meme all of the past year and will continue to be of, like, the person who does all the work on the group project. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're, let's be real, Dan is that guy for this band uh, yeah. through a, a chunk of it. Um, and, you know, I still, I don't think he's hitting home runs all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think there are moments where I feel like, all right, like, you know, there there are elements I don't like, but it's not enough to sink it. The the good kind of outweighs it here. Is it top tier alkaline trio? By no means. Um and I think, yeah, like there is a tendency to compare it to what is the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think can also skew stuff. But I think it's just like this is one where if it was just kinda on a record that was solid, it would just be a nice, solid little tune. What do you rate it? I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm going to give it a three, um, which is a little bit higher than I had it going into it. But I just have so much fun talking to you. It's like, what? We we have fun. We have fun. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we talked about Kick Rocks. And next week we're going to talk about a different song. And we are excited to have the opportunity to do this every week we just started it because we like hanging out with each other and that has never changed and we appreciate all of you for joining us and invite you to come back next week we have a patreon patreon.com slash as you were where you can vote on the songs that we talk about we also got some cool merchandise and some other long form discussions about things such as the bloodhound gang discography and uh different names that we've come up with for weird al yankovic Mm -hmm. Uh, me making tim listen to every mighty mighty boston's record and then like really dig into the lyrical genius of someday i suppose and it's multitude of versions never had to knock on wood great song i'm sure it isn't good but that's the impression that i get we'll be back next week thank you friends yeah.